give it up for the one and only David Shepherd. Anyone in the coaching space wants to be an NLP practitioner, it's the new fad. It's very, very different these days than it was when we first started out. Can NLP be misused? Yeah. I know a number of very, very famous people in politics, for instance, and they use it in a way for them to win and other people to lose. You mentioned about deleting emotions. Is it safe? I'd probably say that once you've done timeline therapy and released your negative emotions, you're safer. You know, 10,000 people that you've trained, 10,000s, you know, yep. in the tens of thousands over 30 years. How long have you got? And people say to me, don't you get tired? And the answer to that is no. And you know, a real key one is loving what you do. Welcome to Inspired By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story, and they have stories that they haven't yet told. Not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Welcome back to Inspire By. Now, today I'm very excited to introduce you to a brand new guest on the show. Now, this gentleman we're going to feature today is not only an expert in neurolinguistic programming, he's been in the industry for 30 years. He's trained over 10,000 individuals just like yourselves on the expertise of neurolinguistic programming. He's an author of Presenting Magically and he's the president of the American Board of NLP. Yes, I know that's a lot. He's incredible. He's inspirational. Please give it up for the one and only David Shepherd. Thank you, Chloe. Good to have you here. Good I always, I always love having these incredible people like yourself on the show because for me, Inspired By is always about being inspired by people like yourself who have not only achieved great things, but been around and been there, done that and experienced it. So we're going to talk a lot about neuro-linguistic programming. Okay. Anyone that's watching or listening, you know, we've had quite a people on the show that are experts in neuro-linguistic programming. Now, before we go into the detail of it, just for our listeners and viewers who maybe haven't come across it before, what is this famous science that we all know, NLP? So NLP, um, it's got two facets to it, I think, really. Mm -hmm. One is uh, it teaches you how to run your own brain um, because, yeah. you know, you've probably heard that the human brain is the most powerful computer on the planet, even still today. But when you when you take delivery of it, don't get an instruction manual. So you could think of NLP as being the user manual, the instruction manual for your brain. Uh, but also it uh, teaches you, NLP teaches you how to effectively communicate with others and how to influence others. Wow. I would say it's kind of like world-class technology at those two things. And do you know what I find fascinating? Because I've never heard it described as the user manual of your brain. And we're certainly not given it. Right. You know, when, when I went through my experience, which many of our listeners have heard about already with clinical depression, right. I studied NLP when I came out of that because I wanted to understand the science of my brain. Right. Everyone I came across was saying, oh, read this self-help book and oh, go and have some time in the spa. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to read another self-help book. I actually want to know what is happening in here. Yep. And I know for you, you've studied the science for years and years and years. What what happened in your life, David, that made you attracted to this whole concept of understanding this user manual in your brain? Um, I, I, I had a successful career in the in the city. Uh, worked for Reuters, uh, not the news agency part of Reuters, but uh, um, the biggest part of Reuters' business is financial information. 
and uh, I work for a division called Reuters Trading Room Systems. So, you know, if you see on the on TV, on the news, where you've got a trading floor and there's traders there with screens and all those kind of things, um, well, the team that I work with created the first one of those ever. Um, and But uh, everybody thought I was crazy. In 1990, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, and so I left uh, Reuters, set up my own business, and bought a, a franchise for a management consultancy firm, which I've got to be totally open with you. I made a complete mess of that. Um, so within a within a year, uh, I'd lost the house, lost the car, uh, lost the wife. Still can't remember where I left her, um, and was massively in in debt. But the great thing that I discovered from um, that franchise was two things. One was coaching, because in 1990, a coach was either somebody that helped you play tennis or you went on a holidays on one. Um, coaching is like massive today, but in 1990, it was unheard of. So I discovered coaching and I discovered NLP. And um, so I went from being a consultant in marketing and IT to um, setting up a company doing firewalk seminars, uh, natural progression. Um, <laughs> and um, I ran a company doing firewalk seminars for about a, a year. Um, but then I thought that my calling in life, if you like, was to do sales trainings, uh, integrating NLP, which I discovered from Tony Robbins's book, Unlimited Power. And I thought that was what I was going to do. And I started doing that. And I was doing it quite successfully. Um, but I hadn't, hadn't even been trained in NLP at this point. So I thought it's probably a good, a good time to, um, to actually become formally trained in NLP. And I looked around in the UK at the time, and, you know, NLP is massive now in the UK. But in 1992, 1993, there were only four companies teaching NLP at that time. So I went to, I went to check them out. Um, but I got introduced to NLP from Tony Robbins, which was very much about success and all of this kind of thing. And I just didn't click with any of the trainers that were here, you know, because it, it didn't really have this success culture to it. So um, I looked around and I found a, a, a trainer, master trainer more correctly, um, called uh, Tad James. Uh, but he only ran trainings in California. So uh, I had to scrape together all the money I'd got to travel all the way to California to do my practitioner training. Um, and I thought I'd gone just to learn how to use NLP in sales. Um, but at that point in time, I'd had two major things happen in my, in my life. One was uh, my dad dying because he died quite young. Um, and the other was my marriage ending in, in divorce. And I had tons of negative emotions around those two things anger and sadness and fear and hurt and guilt and all these kind of things, which I thought at the time life was about learning how to deal with that and cope with it. Mm. But in the space of uh, one afternoon uh, on the practitioner training, all of my anger, my sadness, my fear, my hurt and my guilt uh, around all of those events had gone, just disappeared. Um, I discovered that I got a limiting belief of not being good enough and in one exercise, that disappeared too. Um, so I was blown away. Um, so I went to uh, to Tad and said, um, I want to do what you do. There's nothing like this in the UK. Uh, how do I do that? And he said, well, nobody's ever asked me that. Let me 
sit with it for a couple of days and I'll get back to you. And a couple of days later, he said, okay, I've worked it out. Let's have lunch. And he gave me this long list of trainings that I needed to do, which were either in California or in Hawaii, because it was the only two places he trained. Um, I'd got to do master practitioner, which was two weeks. I got to do trainer's training, which was three weeks. Um, I'd got to go out and coach on some trainings. Uh, and I'd got no clue how I was going to afford it. I mean, I really hadn't. And then he gave me a list of 100 books to read. Uh, and at school, it would take me a year to read a book. <laughs> so I thought I'll be able to get started in 100 years' time, you know. Um, and it was one of those moments where my mouth opened and the words came out, okay, I'll do it. And then suddenly I go like, what did you just say? How are you going to do that? Um, but anyway, you know, when when you really want to do something badly enough, you know this, um, you find the way, you make the way. And so um, I did complete all the stuff on the uh, on his checklist um, and um, <coughs> formed uh, the Performance Partnership in 1993. And, well, the rest is history, as they say. Wow. I find it fascinating, David, when you tell the story, because it's a very different journey into NLP that many people have had nowadays. You talked about NLP is, if I can say it bluntly, blunter than you will, it's the new fad. Right. Everyone in the coaching space, it's not even that new anymore. Anyone in the coaching space wants to be an NLP practitioner and it's a fantastic tool. I've used it in many aspects of my life mm. and business, but I feel like there's more to it than just having the sticker attached to it. What's your views of how the NLP world or the coaching world has changed over the 30 years that you've been in it? Well, you know, when I first discovered NLP, um, you know, I, 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 there was a one-day one training on the uh, that came with the franchise, mm -hmm. and it was on NLP. I'd never heard of it before. I really liked it. I thought, like, this is really cool. So I went to the trainer and said, um, are there any, any books on NLP? And he said, well, only, only one, um, Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. And it, this was in 1990. Um, you couldn't buy unlimited power in a regular bookshop because it wasn't there. You had to order it from a specialist company and it would it arrived in plain brown paper wrapping so that nobody knew you'd bought a weird book. <laughs> um, so NLP was, hard, was hardly heard of. Um, it was considered to be weird and strange. Mm. Um, and today... You know, it's kind of pretty much in the mainstream. Um, I think that the, the majority of people will have heard of it. it. Doesn't necessarily mean that they understand it or know what it is, but they'll have they'll have heard of it. So it's it's very very different um, these days than it was when we first first started out. And obviously, within the coaching space, there's lots of different tools that we can use. What would you say has made NLP stand out for you? Sound the test of time to want to use it so regularly in your business. Um, well, if I looked at it from a sales point of view, because obviously, you know, when you run your, run your own business, you've got to be a salesperson. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, when I first learned to sell, it was like um, the people that buy from you will be the people that you have the most rapport with. And so I asked a question naively, how do I get rapport with people? And they said, oh, well, it just happened. Some some people you click with, some people you won't. Um, and I thought, well, that means I'm going to be standing up spending a lot of time around people I don't like. Whereas NLP, the thing I love about NLP is it's very procedural. 
which I like from my background in electronics and uh, computer programming. So with NLP, it's literally you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, and this will happen. So there's specific techniques to click with people. Mm. Um, so it takes the chance out of out of things, really. That's that's the the main thing I like from a business point of view. Um, so you know, until I'd learned NLP, I wasn't good in business. Um, you know, I think there are naturals. So there are natural born presenters, there are natural born salespeople, there are natural born entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and I'm not natural of any of those. <laughs> so um, I used NLP to um, to learn how to sell, to learn how to present and speak, to learn how to train and to learn how to run a business. So, you know, I've been running my own business for about three years before I got formally trained in NLP. And when I got trained in NLP, suddenly my business took off. Wow. Um, and, it, it, you know, I've really honestly put that success down to NLP. Obviously, I had to make it happen. I had to make it work. Mm-hmm. And business isn't easy. You, you know that. Yeah. But NLP makes it easier. Definitely. It's about stacking it in your corner, in mm. your in your favor and having the tools that you need. Now, the thing I love about NLP, which is what you touched on earlier, is that a lot of us go into it with one intention. For me, it was to heal my depression. Right. And then when I was going through this, I suddenly uncovered other limiting beliefs. Right. I remember fast phobia cures, one yeah. of the most common things. People learn NLP to help people give up uh, phobias. Yeah. And I didn't even know I had a phobia. And then when it came out, I was like, oh. And then it came down to other things from my childhood that I hadn't planned on unpacking. So you mentioned it with your your two life-changing events. Yeah. How did you process that as a personal level? And how do you use NLP in a personal level now? Um, well, the, the big thing for me, uh, you know, around those negative emotions um, is a particular set of techniques which you could say are within NLP called timeline therapy. Mm. Um, so what timeline therapy enables you to do is to release negative emotions like anger and sadness and fear and hurt and guilt from the past, enables you to remove anxiety for the future, and enables you to delete limiting beliefs or limiting decisions very, very quickly. Um, and the, the great thing, you know, I, I do work with people using NLP and timeline therapy uh, when I do breakthrough sessions. But the great thing I like about it is the fact that once somebody's learned how to do it, they don't need me anymore. They can use they can just use it themselves. So you know, one of the, one of the things around running your own business, uh, particularly these days with a massive amount of change that we've got, mm. is um, stuff comes up. Uh, you know, if you, look, if you just looked at um, um, the lockdown and the pandemic. Nobody was prepared for that because we just didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, around those things happening, were there a lot of, was there a lot of fear? Yeah. There's a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Were there beliefs about whether you could stay in your business whilst, you know, we couldn't run events? Mm -hmm. Um, So the thing about uh, NLP and timeline therapy is that you can use it with yourself um, when stuff comes up to enable you to keep, Keep moving forward and keep achieving your goals. Um, because, you know, quite, quite often I say, there's only one way of not having any stuff come up. Don't do anything. But as soon as you start going somewhere, <laughs> yep. then you'll find obstacles. But 
if you're not going anywhere, there are no obstacles. But the obstacles are part of the journey. Yeah. And so, you know, I would say using NLP and doing an NLP business for me has been probably the biggest and most accelerated personal development program anybody could ever do. Yeah, 100%. We always say you're growing your business, but your business is growing you. That's yeah. something I always live by. And that's why the mindset comes in so much. Yeah. Now, you mentioned about deleting emotions. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. put it out there. For a lot of people listening, I know when I first came across this, if you'd have told me, Chloe, you're going to do a course where you can delete your emotions, I would be worrying, is it safe? Okay. So, yes, it's safe. Uh, What we're doing is releasing the emotions from events in the past. Wow. So, you know, so if you've got an event in the past, which could be in the distant past, which still makes you feel angry, still makes you feel sad, still makes you feel afraid, still makes you feel hurt, still makes you feel guilty, then we can use timeline therapy to release those emotions on those events in the past. The memory is still there. You know, um, it it happened. Um, But we release the emotions from that. But that also means that the person will still be able to uh, experience all of those emotions in the future when it's appropriate. But I think what happens with a lot of people is that they experience those emotions inappropriately. Yeah. You know, a great example would be road rage. Yeah. Is it appropriate to get a bit grumpy if somebody cuts you up on the motorway? Yeah. Is it appropriate to chase them at 100 miles an hour, 20 miles down the road, run them off of the road, and then get the baseball bat out the back of the car, <laughs> which you just happen to have, and smash the windscreen in? No. Yeah. But if somebody's got a lot of unresolved anger in their neurology, the slightest thing will trip it off. Mm. And all of the anger from all of the events in the past will come up in one go. (laughs) And this is where you hear people go, I don't know why I got so angry about that. It was just dot, dot, dot. Or other people who are watching this situation, they're going like, whoa, that's a bit of a major reaction. It was only this. Um, So what timeline therapy enables you to do is to reset your neurology. Mm-hmm. to empty the neurology of those negative emotions in the past. Wow. Which gives you emotional freedom and emotional balance. And that's then lines you up for the future where you have a more stable, yeah. dare I say it, emotional cup. You're not ready to pop. Yes. Essentially. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here was my personal experience. Uh, you know, when my dad died, um, we we were very, very close. And so I was very, very, very sad about that and I didn't know what to do about it the slightest thing would cause me just to burst into tears mm-hmm. and my mum's way of, of grieving for my dad was um, my dad was a very early adopter of video actually, uh, in the 80s so um, <clears throat> my mum's way of grieving was to put videos of my dad on or get the photo albums out well, that just tripped me off, of you know. And now I'm the only man in the family because I've got my, my sister. Uh, so now my sister, my mum and me, and I'm going, I've got to be strong, uh, <clears throat> which means it's not okay to cry. Um, so what I did was I avoided going home um, because the glass was just full, if you like. Um, whereas after uh, I'd learned timeline therapy for the first time, the glass was empty. Then I could go and talk with my mum about my dad and all this kind of stuff, and and I was totally totally fine about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, 
So it is most definitely safe. In fact, I'd probably say that once you've done timeline therapy and released your negative emotions, you're safer. Yeah, I can believe it because then you're more level-headed. You're safe around yourself. I know from my facts, when I have been very, very, very unwell with my depression years ago, to a point where I didn't want to be on the planet anymore. Right. It was not safe. Any Anything. I remember burning my toast and right. bur- bursting into tears. The world was over. And I know I say that now loosely, but it didn't feel that yeah. at the moment because yeah. like you say, my emotional cup was so full and yeah. so toxic. So I really appreciate you sharing sharing that view. Now, you mentioned there about back then, and we're talking, you know, 90s, mm-hmm. it wasn't okay for men to cry. Yep. Now, I'm all about being honest and raw and vulnerable on the show, which I know we spoke about before you came on. What's your views now on that? Because I'm sure when you go through training people, I imagine you do have lots of people who go through and process live in the sessions with you. Yeah. So um, I think it depends where you, whereabouts you come from. Mm. Um, so I'm originally from a, a little town called Mansfield in North Nottinghamshire, which is a mining town. And I jokingly label it big boys don't cry territory. Um, but, you know, big boys doesn't mean that big boys don't feel sad just means they're not allowed to to express it. Mm. So they bottle it up, which I think now we know isn't good from a mental, emotional, or physical health perspective. Of course. The, the thing that I loved about, still do love about timeline therapy, is that people can release all of the emotions from those events in the past without needing to experience them. Um, so before I got into NLP, I was into personal development and uh, I got involved with a group that did this thing called psychodrama and psychodrama does what it says on the tin. It is psycho and it is dramatic. Um, And they had this belief of got to break down to break through. Mm. So literally for a weekend, there's people thrown up in buckets, screaming, crying, all of these kind of, kind of things. God. And he felt great at the end of the weekend, but I realized he just felt great at the end of the weekend because she survived. Not that your problem had gone away. Um, And so um, timeline therapy, you can actually release all of that emotion, no matter how much emotion there is in the past, no matter how much trauma there is in the past, quickly, easily, and comfortably, Uh, which for me was like, whoa, this is is unbelievable. Wow. And... You know, I was sitting there on my practitioner training and when everybody should learn this at school mm-hmm. uh, instead of useful things like the Battle of Hastings is 1066. Yeah. Um, but um, so that's when I went, everybody should learn this. Mm. Um, and I thought, okay, well, don't just say it, do something about it. And I think it's safe to say you've done exactly that. You know, 10,000 people that you've trained, 10,000s, you know, yep. in the tens of thousands over 30 years. Question for you, which I find so amazing when it comes to somebody who's been in business for so long. I've been in business seven years. So when I look and I think, how the hell has that been seven years? You know, yep. have I been on a journey? How long have you got? Right. It's been, <laughs> it was being a tough, but for 30 years, I mean, you've probably had so many ups and downs, left, rights, backwards steps and adapting. How has the journey been for you? And what would you say has been the biggest lesson on that journey? Um, flexibility. Um, also doing something that you love. Mm. Um, you know, because quite often people say to me, you know, how many days are you presenting or training or speaking per year? 
and it's over over 200 days a year so for, for 30 years so it's that 6000 days or whatever on, on on stage of some form and um people then go wow that must be fantastic because you get 165 days holiday uh, in the th- they're thinking when i'm not presenting or or doing something like that you know i'm i'm off and that's not the case no. i've got four businesses to run um and people say to me don't you get tired and the answer to that is no i don't get tired they go well, how do you do that because you know i do one day's training i'm exhausted at the end of it and you know a real key one is um loving what you do because if if you if you love what you do and you're really passionate about it it energizes you mm. rather than drains you um and then flexibility you know the world's changed over 30 years what worked 30 years ago doesn't work anymore mm. in fact you know what worked last year doesn't work yeah. <laughs> what what worked in january doesn't work anymore um so i think that's the that's the thing as in you love what you do which is where your drive and your passion and your mm. desire comes from and then NLP teaches you how to be flexible and how to change what you're doing uh, and, and literally not being hung up on there being one way to do things. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, that's not working anymore. So stop doing that. And now let's find out a new way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And there are loads of NLP principles that I remember learning that were NLP principles or laws as we call them, yep. but things that actually could be used in any way of life, in any aspect of life. Yeah. And speaking of love, I'm very grateful that I love what I do, but there's also things that I hate about the industry that we've experienced. And one of the things that I've noticed is a lot of people are using NLP in not the most ethical manner. Right. You've obviously experienced it from when you first wanted to learn it in sales. I'm talking more about people who are in the media, on news, politicians. Yep. What's your views of people who are learning this, but maybe not thinking about the power and the impact it's having? Yeah, I think, you know, can NLP be misused? Yeah, Any, anything that can be, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, so, so somebody gets stabbed by using a, a screwdriver. They go, we need to ban all screwdrivers. Well, no, you can do useful things with screwdrivers, mm. like putting shelves up, things like that. So I think the... So then, you know, I hear people go, oh, NLP is manipulative. Mm. NLP can't be manipulative because it's a set of tools and techniques. So what's the difference that makes the difference? It's the person's intention. Mm. And, you know, you hear the people say, you know, there's four quadrants, lose-lose, uh, win-lose, lose-win, win-win. Um, if we looked at the long term, I think there's only two lose, lose, and win-win. Because, you know, if I do something and your perception is that I won and you lost, we're not going to be doing business again. Mm. If we do something and my perception is you won and I lost, then we're not going to do business again. So really, win, lose, lose, win is actually the same as lose, lose in the long term. Of course. So um, therefore, the thing to do is always to have the intention of using NLP or timeline therapy or hypnosis um, with the intention of empowering other people. Mm. Then you've got a true win-win. And that's when you when you play the, the long game, if you like. Yeah, definitely. And you, you're quite right. I, I do see people uh, in our industry, uh, but also in the in the media, um, 
who uh, are using NLP. I know a number of very, very famous people in politics, for instance, um, are highly trained in NLP. One time there was a rumor that I trained them. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> but then I would have to say that I ha had trained them. Um, and they use it in a way for them to win and other people to lose, um, which is what I would call an ecological. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I agree with you and I've seen it. And I, I don't know if you agree here, David, but when you've been trained in something, it's very hard for you to not see mm. it. So it's a bit like when I watch the news now and I can see someone and they're, what they're saying is, oh no, I understand, you know, you can approach me and they're going like this, you know, very simple, don't come near me, be quiet, stop, body language. Yep. Now, you know, that is like the bare basics, the bare yep. basics. And I think one of the things that we can all do, in my opinion, is get knowledgeable and get trained because then you're less likely to be manipulated. Yeah, it kind of inoculates you. Exactly, like a vaccine. Yeah, yeah like, a, <laughs> like a vaccine, yeah, like a, a, a mental vaccine. Um, so yeah, so and you're quite right. Once you, you know, I, I, I quite often think, because you've probably heard in NLP, there's these things called eye accessing patterns, where a person moves their eyes and they move their eyes in a particular direction, depending on what they're, how they're thinking inside, whether they're thinking in pictures or sounds or feelings. Mm. Um, and um, once you learn eye patterns, you can never not see them ever again. Yeah, you see them everywhere. And I, I sometimes go, did people have eye patterns before I learned NLP? <laughs> um, and there's no way you'd ever be able to prove that one way or the yeah. other. You know, it's like Schrodinger's cat and the observer effect. <laughs> um, so, uh, but it, it then does, as you quite rightly say, you go, okay, I know what this person's doing. Mm. And I'm either, you know, another thing, you know, NLP is manipulative. Um, well, if you went to see a chiropractor and they didn't manipulate you, you'd be annoyed. Um, or if somebody came to you and said, I can manipulate you, I can brainwash you to become a multimillionaire in a week, I'd sign up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, if you're with someone and you go, okay, they're doing NLP or, or whatever it is, and I trust their intention, I'll go with it. But if I go, okay, they're using NLP, and I'm not okay with the, with the intention or their purpose in doing it, then you can block it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like you say, it's it's like the vaccine that you can then notice. And I find it fascinating, especially you mentioned the eye accessing patterns. And I know for anyone that's not in NLP, you'd be going, what the hell are they talking about? But I find it fascinating. People just, they don't understand it because they've heard it on a podcast or on a show or the TV and they go, oh, that person looked to the left. They must be lying. Right. You know, and it's that understanding of, no, no, we're not that simple creatures. You need to understand the science and the person, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So just to fill in the, the, the gaps for some people, if somebody's right-handed and they're remembering something that they've seen, they will tend to look up to their left. If they're constructing a picture in their mind, then they'll tend to look up to their right. And so there's this myth in an LP that if you say to, to your partner, so what did you do last night? And they went, I went to the pub with my friends. Ah, you're lying. But it's not as simple as that. Um, in that um, one is somebody who's, who's left-handed will tend to look up there when they're remembering something. And then there's other things with eye patterns. So can you use NLP to calibrate on a particular individual when they're telling the truth and when they're lying 
Yes, you can. Mm. But it's not as simple as just looking at the first place they move their eyes. Exactly. It's like looking at someone who has an illness, right? You have to look at the whole body to say, actually, what is the cause of this illness? It's the same concept with NLP. You have to look at the whole thing, which is why we talk about body language being a big part of communication. Now, I'm curious, you mentioned about how you originally started with NLP because you wanted to learn to communicate more with your businesses. So where does communication fit in now when it comes to these therapies that you've learned, the tools you've learned, and how would you say your communication has improved over the time? Um, I mean, really like night and day. Um, you know, if I think of my, um, my life 30 years ago, before I did practitioner training, it's unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that I don't recognize the me that was that was before then. That's how much it's changed. And then I started to realize that really everything that we do with other people is with an intention of influence. So, you know, if I'm working with a client through what I call like a, a breakthrough session, um, where somebody comes to me because they've got, uh, you know, emotional baggage or limiting beliefs or any of those kind of things, um, and I, I work with them for a day, I can't make their emotions disappear. I can't make their beliefs disappear. What I'm doing is I'm influencing them to have their emotions disappear, and I'm influencing them to have their limiting beliefs disappear. Mm. So, you know, if you're um, running a training, as an example, you can't learn the content for the students. They've got to, they've got to do it for themselves. Mm. So as a trainer, really what we're doing is we're influencing the delegates. We're influencing the students to be able to get the, get the results they want. And, you know, my, my experience is that NLP is probably the most effective set of tools on the planet uh, to enable people to influence others, whether it be one-on-one or one-on-many. Yeah, I actually totally agree with you. When I came across it, it was game-changing. I studied as a coach, all the different models, you know, but to me that was so, as soon as I learned NLP, that was so surface level. Yep. I was like, God, there's how many layers underneath this and how many many minds and, you know, all this kind of fascinating stuff. When it comes to selling now, because I know obviously that was the beginning of your journey and now you're running four businesses, clearly doing very, very well. What have you experienced that has helped you with NLP in terms of selling and presenting yourself? I think for me is if somebody's got a, if you're selling something to somebody and they have a perceived a perception that what you are offering them has a higher value than you're asking for it, mm. then they'll buy. Yeah. So really, you know, are there people that don't have any value associated to, to mm. what I do? Yeah. They're not my customers. Um, if they're not interested, does this go great? See you. Have a nice life. Um, if they are interested, then it's my job to have them realize the value of that for them. And my thing is, you know, if I can uh, influence somebody to have a perception that what I'm offering them is worth at least 10 times more than I'm asking for it. Wow. Then I'm on the right side of the equation. Um, 
And um, so when, when you think of it that way, selling becomes very easy. Mm. Um, because, you know, you see this thing like, oh, closing is hard and all of that kind of stuff. Whereas if you look at it as being the creation of value, normally the prospect closes themselves. Mm. They'll say, when can I start? Or brilliant, what do we do next? So I don't even have to close them. Um, and that was a huge relief for me because um, when I was taught to sell old school, if you like, then you kind of dreaded this closing question, you know. Um, whereas with NLP, you've got this thing in NLP which is called um, pace, 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 lead. So we pace the client. And then the final little bit is the lead. And if you've paced enough, the lead, which is the close, is just really simple, really easy. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. I found when I first learned to sell, it was such an icky, horrible feeling. And by the way, if anybody's listening or watching and you're not in business, we're selling every single day, Yep. right? We're selling to our partner to do the dishes. We're selling to our kids to, to do their chores. We're selling to our boss to give us a pay rise. So this stuff works for everyone. And it's about, like you say, taking the pressure off the sale, off yep. the end bit and doing what needs to be done earlier in that journey. Now, obviously I know you've written God knows how many programs, trainings over these 30 years. And I also know that you authored the book Presenting Magically. Yep. So how did that come about in the journey and what what has that helped some of the readers to achieve? Um, well, Presenting Magically, um, so I became a trainer of NLP in 1994 um, and I became a master trainer of NLP in 1996. And so Tad, who I first started to train with, who was my first trainer, I feel like my mentor, but then also became re really good friend of mine. Um, I was then co-training, trainers training with him in wow. California. And so we'd take our students here in the UK through practitioner and master practitioner. And I know there was one year we were taking about 20 or 30 of our students out to California to do trainers training. And uh, one of them phoned me up and said, uh, okay, I've been chatting with the other people who are coming out to do trainers training with you and Tad. And they, and they said, and, excuse the language, this was his language, and we're all shitting ourselves. Um, could you do like a warm-up seminar uh, before we go out so that we're more comfortable? And I said, you know, this is the salesperson in me. Um, I said, well, if I if I did do that, would you book it? And he said, yeah. He said, in that case, I'll do it then. So I looked at all the things in trainers training that people found the most challenging and thought what I'll do is I'll do an intro in over the weekend for these guys. But then I thought, if I had one more day to teach basic NLP, I could open that training to anybody. Mm. So that's what I did, and I called the tra training Presenting Magically, and it was one of our most successful trainings. You know, it, uh, I, I, I got a room booked at the Hilton in Olympia that could hold around about 30 people. We launched the training. It sold out in a week. Mm. We'd never had that happen before. And people said it's it's uh, brilliant. That would have been uh, kind of like 96, 97, something wow. like that. Um, and so um, then what, uh, so we put that, that training together and um, I thought there's no book about how to use NLP 
as a presenter, a speaker, mm. or a trainer. Um, so I actually co-authored the book with Tad, um, uh, presenting magically. I think I've published in the late nineties, and it was the first book ever to kind of expose what you could do as an NLP trainer to the general general public. And we've been running that program uh, ever since. And it's also our most um, popular um, corporate program. Uh, so we go into companies and do presenting magically in-house for um, for companies. And, you know, even, even today, which is like, you know, more than 25 years later, um, where somebody is when they first start out at the beginning of presenting magically and where they are at the end is unrecognizable. Um, so it, it really is presenting magically. Oh. And, you know, even accomplished speakers and presenters come and do presenting magically mm. to put, to kind of like integrate NLP into what they, what they already do. Wow. I, I've heard so much about it and I'm dying to come on myself. I think it's really fascinating what you've done, David, because you've been able to piece together so many pieces of your own journey and mm. also other people's and people's and you've developed over time, which is what we always encourage people to do in business and in life. Yep. One thing I find people also do is when they are there, you know, they've made it, they've got the contacts, they've got the businesses, they always look like they're all together. When you look at yourself now, do you see that? Or do you think, do you know what? There's still shit going on in here and I could still got healing to do. Like us being real. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned it before we started. There's only one way of not having any obstacles in life, which is to go nowhere. Mm. Um, And... So people then say to me, David, how long have you been doing NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis? Who know? We haven't talked about who yet, but um, and it's now you know thirty years as a trainer. But if I looked at when I first discovered it, it's now thirty three years. And they go, "Wow, your life must be total nirvana. No negative emotions, no limiting beliefs, and every goal you put out in your future timeline happens as if by magic." I can tell you now that's not my experience. Because, you know, the goals that I've got for myself and my business today are so unrecognizably huge compared to the goals that I had 30 mm. years ago. Um, you know, you can't let go of um, limiting beliefs um, that you don't know you've got. And so, you know, I'm running into stuff all the time. Mm. Uh, I would say probably I feel more negative emotions, more limiting beliefs now that I did before, but I know what to do about it. Mm. Um, you know, we run a program which is called the Mindset Makeover and uh, and it involves timeline therapy. And I say to the delegates on that, that before the Mindset Makeover, life's life and shit happens. After the Mindset Makeover, life's life and shit happens. It's just, you know how to deal with the shit differently. Mm. Yeah, so that's so, yeah, I don't kind of, Look at myself as been, I've made it now. Yeah. Um, it's a continual process. Of course it is. And I love the fact that you mentioned there that just because you're trained in helping other people overcome their limiting beliefs doesn't mean that you have none. Right. Because we all have them. So what's your what's your advice to other people that are maybe having these limiting beliefs and think, actually, I need to get rid of them or I need to delete all of them? Right. Um, well, learn NLP. <laughs> um and, um, you know, probably my favorite techniques within NLP for dealing with emotions and limiting beliefs would be timeline therapy. Um, so, um, you know, 
do something like the Mindset Makeover, uh, which is does all of that in a weekend. So you let go of all of your anger, all of your sadness, all your fear, all of your guilt. Get rid of major limiting beliefs all in two days. Wow. Um, so, um, or work with somebody one-to-one. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. And is there anything that people can do to... I want to say forgive themselves because one one thing, a bit, bit of context to that question. You mentioned there that you feel like now you maybe see more emo- more negative emotions and more fears than you have seen before. And I had the same experience. I found that the more I learned about myself, the more shit I saw. Right. And it was that moment of being like, do I look back and wish ignorance was bliss back then and I could just have just one day and just not really knowing all my shit and not really having it all there laid out in front of me? Is there anything you can say to people now that are going through this journey and in that mid- middle point where they haven't quite nailed how to get rid of it yet, but they're starting to see things and having this awareness? Right. So um, I think you, you mentioned their forgiveness. Um, I think it's, it's, it's like realising that it's totally okay and it's totally normal to experience emotions. Mm. Um, It's totally normal and totally okay to realize that you've got limiting beliefs. Um, And then, but then, you know, learn how to change that because, you know, the purpose of a negative emotion, if, if you get angry about something or you feel sad about something or you feel afraid about something or feel guilty about something, the purpose of that emotion is to get your attention. And what a lot of people do is they ignore it. And so their unconscious mind, uh, their unconscious mind is using the emotion for them to get their conscious mind's attention. Mm. But if the person ignores it, therefore doesn't give attention to it, their unconscious mind will make it worse. Yeah. It will turn it up. Obviously, that wasn't bad enough to get your attention. I'll make it worse. Mm. Uh, Even to the point where uh, people get really good at ignoring emotions, their unconscious mind may well actually attempt to get their attention through um, physical symptoms. Mm. Um, Whereas as soon as you pay attention uh, to the emotion, it disappears. Um, One of the other things that, that, that I've studied and teach is a Hawaiian huna. And there was a, a lady kahuna, her name was uh, Taneo Sans Kumalai. And what she used to say to her students is this, you can have whatever you want in your life, provided you pay attention. And to the extent you don't pay attention, you'll pay with pain. So as soon as you pay, if, as soon as you pay attention, the pain disappears. That's such an insightful, insightful approach. So if you don't pay attention, you'll pay with pain. And yeah. as you're saying that, I'm thinking, God, I can see where that's happened in my life before. Because especially when we come back to being in business and in life, actually, generally, when we have so much going on, it's like, oh, ignore the emotion. I've got, I've got a call to do or ignore this. I've just got to go, 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 go. And then suddenly you're sick. Yep. Suddenly you manifest an illness. Suddenly, you know, I had it with my personal experience, like going into too much gory detail. I manifested a skin condition right. where from my neck down to my ankles, I was covered in what looked like psoriasis. Right. And I probably couldn't, I couldn't actually have a shower for about six months. Sounds disgusting, but it was horrifically painful. Right. And every doctor I went to couldn't work it out. Right. And I thought, 
at one point I sat down, this is after all the studies I'd done, all the mentors I'd worked with, still couldn't see how clearly obvious it was. I sat down one day, David and I said to myself, I'm having enough. This is enough. And I burst into tears. Right. Took six months, but took a bit too long in hindsight. Yeah. And I just sat down. I thought, what do I need? And I cried it all out. And I just felt myself going, I need to drink water. And I just downed so much water for days. Just, I can't even remember how many liters it was. And within a week, it had gone down by 50%. Wow. And as much as I did a lot of work on myself, I journaled through that, I meditated through that. There's so many things, so many tools that I've learned with NLP. It was that moment of realization and accepting that that was what it was. Because a lot of people don't see the connection, do they? Yeah, no. They don't see the, the, the two things very obvious. Whereas someone like yourself who's experienced as much as you are, would look at it and go, well, this is bloody obvious. Right. Right. You can, you can see the connection, but often if we're in the detail, we can't see it. Yeah. Now, when it comes to what you've done, obviously you've built up successful businesses and you're, you really are on a mission and it's been amazing to watch it. What's next for David Shepard? Um, we've got a, a number of things. Um, we mentioned, mentioned HUNA. So, um, uh, you know, we're, we're now teaching HUNA in uh, the UK and Europe so that people don't have to travel halfway around the world to Hawaii, which is no, no getting around it. Hawaii is a long way away. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that's a new thing we've, we've been doing um, for the last year. Mm. Um, then I've got another project which I'm doing with uh, one of my uh, business partners, uh, James Mallinson. Uh, James and I set up a therapy business uh, about 10 years ago called Fix My Mind. And um, we d- developed a whole series of um, uh, treatments for our clients, uh, which are, which use everything from NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis, another technique called havening. And um, those uh, interventions are very, very, very effective, like success rate of 95%. Wow. Uh, with more than 5,000 uh, 5, yeah, 5, clients. Um, but also a system to get clients in the first place. Because one of the things that James and I realized was it doesn't matter how good a therapist you are. If you've got no clients, nobody knows. Um, so we, uh, we created a client acquisition system. Uh, how do you get clients? P- totally um, internet-based. And uh, so what we decided to do uh, we we just did the first one this year, um, was we decided to essentially train people in those two um, systems, the client acquisition system and the client um, the, the client results system, um, because we just noticed that there was you know since uh, the lockdown, anxiety for instance has gone through the the roof, mm. um, and. We checked it out use it from the NHS figures um, for the most common symptoms that people are experiencing. And we added the numbers up and it came to, I think it was um, 180 million examples in the UK with a population of 60 million, which means on average, people have got three of the conditions. Um, so that business space, if you like, is massively underserved. Mm. Um, so uh, we just ran the, the the first one where we shared that entire system that we, we've created over 10 years because um, one is there aren't enough good therapists. And two, quite often people who are good therapists don't know how to do the business of therapy. 
Of course. So they're great therapists, but they haven't got any clients. Mm. Um, so we, we give them the model for both both of those two things. So we do another one of those later this year because it was so successful. Fantastic. So what's happening? It's amazing because what you've learned, David, and over these 30 years, and you've gone on to scale it and grow, and now it's not just you. You've got trainers. You're doing train the trainers. You've, you've yep. got so much going on everywhere, which is fantastic. And obviously, you're doing a lot with more what I would call the leadership of NLP in the future. Yeah. I'm curious, David, you've met, I mean, just from conversations privately off screen, you've met some incredible people in your career, whether that's within the NLP space or not. So I'm really curious to find out from you, who's been the most inspiring person you've met on your journey, whether that be a celebrity or someone famous or someone unknown? Um, well, I've, met, I've never actually met Tony Robbins, um, but I have to thank him for getting me into NLP in the first place with unlimited power. Um, so but then um, a massive uh, impact would be uh, my friend now unfortunately the late uh, dr tad james uh, he was the creator of timeline therapy uh, he's with who, who were trained with first um and uh, you know he shared exactly what i needed to do to have a successful nlp business and um and it worked um and then he became a personal personal friend of mine so he had a he, had a, he was a huge influence huge uh, mentor for me um both from an NLP point of view, from a tunnel and therapy point of view, from a hypnosis point of view, and also it was Tad who introduced me to Huna. Um, then an, another person um, who I guess, when I first got into NLP and personal development, I also got into spiritual development. And I loved these books uh, written by a, a guy called Stuart Wilde. And he was like, he was like my, my guru of the, of, the, of the spiritual development world. And uh, I don't believe in accidents, um, but one afternoon in 1992, I ended up spending the afternoon um, having tea with Stuart Wilde at Brown's Hotel in Albemarle Street, just off of Piccadilly. Uh, this was my, you know, this, uh, just I, when I got up that morning, I didn't know it was going to happen. Um, but just by a number of different synchronicities, uh, end up on the phone with him and he said what are you doing this afternoon and I said well I'm just in the office and he said well do you fancy tea at the Ritz uh, so I said yeah great <laughs> they wouldn't let us in the Ritz because neither of us had ties or jackets um, and he was staying at the Ritz <laughs> he had a suite at the Ritz and they wouldn't let him have tea because he hadn't got a tie or jacket so he said let's go to Browns and I got to spend the entire afternoon with him and um, this is when I was running firewalk seminars. And he just kept saying to me, David, I don't know what to, I don't know how I can help you. I don't know how, he, how I can help you. And I said, well, one of the things I was, I was interested in was, um, you know, you haven't run any events in the UK for a while. So I thought about, you know, promoting you in the, in the UK. And he said, but what would you want to do that for? And I said, well, you know, I think there'll be a lot of a lot of people interested in it. Yeah, but what do you want to do that for? Well, you know, I'll, and I'd be interested in doing it too. Yeah, but what do you want to do that for? And I'm thinking, is there a trick answer here? I said, oh, well, of course, I want to make some money out of it. He goes, yeah, but what do you want to do that for? And I'd run out of answers. And he said, um, um, David, if you set yourself up as being Stuart Wilde's lackey, 
everybody will see you as Stuart Wiles lackey. Mm. He said, but what you've told me this, this afternoon about what you're doing personally, you don't want to be Stuart Wiles lackey. Just go and do this stuff on your own. And at the time, me and a business partner were doing these firewalk seminars and we were promoting on the se seminars a different uh, uh, speaker, different trainer. And he'd been trying to get hold of me all day. Um, this is in days when I used to have a pager. And the pager was going off, wanted me to phone him. So I phoned him and he said, I've been trying to get hold of you all afternoon. Um, you know, where, where have you been? I said, I've been with Stuart Wilde. He goes, what, reading his books? I went like, no, I've been with Stuart Wilde. He said, oh, listening to his tapes. I said, no, I've been with Stuart Wilde. And he goes, what, actually with Stuart Wilde? I said, yeah, with Stuart Wilde. He said, anyway, what are, what are we doing about this firewalk seminar? And I said, his name was Sean. I said, Sean, we aren't doing anything about this firewalk seminar. You're out. And he said, oh, I suppose you've got Stuart Wilde doing the, doing the seminar for you now. I said, no, Stuart Wilde isn't doing the seminar for me now. And he said, well, who's doing it? I said, I am. And he went, you can't do that. I said, watch me. And that was thanks to Stuart that afternoon with Stuart Wilde. That's that was incredible. Really the, the starting starting point. That's an amazing story. I got yeah. shivers as you were sharing that because it is that moment for many of us. We just stand up and we just go, do you know what? Excuse the French, but F you. Yep. I don't need you. Yep. Or actually, thank you so much for the offer, but actually I'm all good. And it's that self-belief. Sometimes we need other people mm -hmm. to believe in us and tell yep. us, you can fly on your own, go away, go ahead, rather than us seeing it in ourselves. Yeah. So thank you so much, David. That is such a fascinating story. Now, we always have a, a tradition on the show where obviously you've met many inspiring stories, inspiring people. You've had some incredible stories and you shared with us so many stories here. So today we're being inspired by you, which has been amazing. We have a tradition, which is where we ask each guest to suggest, shout out someone who you feel has an inspiring story that we should hear next. Okay. Um, well, I mentioned uh, my business partner, James Mallinson. Um, mm. he, uh, he doesn't like me saying this, uh, but he's not here, so I'll say it. Um, uh, I think he's probably one of, if not the most successful therapist in the UK, mm. uh, both from the results that he gets with his clients and also from the money that he makes from his, from his business. Yeah? Um, and, you know, he started that business, Fixed My Mind, from scratch. Uh, we set it up. 10 years ago. Um, and as I say, over those 10 years, he's now worked with 5,000 clients. Uh, which is a lot of, so he's got some stories to tell. I can imagine. So yeah, he'd be a, oh, fantastic. Um, a, a good person. In a different context, um, I've got another client of mine um, who's the CEO of a um, very large um global electronics company um and he's he's really taken the business um from strength to strength i, I won't i won't mention it, who, who he is i'll t i'll um um because he's quite a private private person but I'll, I'll i'll tell you afterwards thank you um and he's not in the personal development field at all um he's in electronics um but he's a very uh inspiring leader um, that, that's taken the, the business to now a nine-figure business. Incredible. Yeah, over the last um, 
four or five years. Wow. Well, thank you so much for both of those shows. Not just one, but two, ladies and gents, we got featured today. So thank you so much, David. That has been amazing and definitely we'll be in touch with both of those to get you viewers and listeners some incredible more stories. Now, before we go, David, because I know we're tight for time, obviously many of our listeners and our viewers are probably listening going, Joe, I need this. Maybe you're sat in your home or you're listening right and thinking, God, if only I could get rid of that emotion. If only if I could remove that limiting belief. And maybe you just want to see what it could do. Mm-hmm. David, I know you have over the years created f- over 40 different digital products and different access patterns yep. that people can get access to you without having to come to an event. So what's the best way that our viewers or our listeners can get access to some of that stuff for free? Yeah, I started creating digital products in uh, the late 90s. Uh, my electronics background meant that I was an early That's adopter cool. of it. And also it meant I could, I could create a recording studio and offset it against Love business it. <laughs> Um And um, so I've been producing um, audio and video products since then. Mm-hmm. And it probably is a, around about 40 products now. Um, and, you know, originally they were on CDs and DVDs, but nobody has a CD player or DVD player anymore. Um, so now it's all on an online platform called c21nlp.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a subscription base, um, but there is a free level of subscription that enables people for free to put their toe in the water and see if it's uh, of value to them. Um, that's my whole value thing. As soon as people realize there's value in it, then they go, actually, that's very good value. Um, so uh, you get the, you get to listen to and watch the first CD or first DVD of any of the programs, and uh, I've been doing a series of masterclasses um, on uh, on Zoom. They've all been recorded and they're all there on the free subscription too. So literally, there's probably about a hundred hours of material that you can access for free. And then go, okay, yeah, I want to do the, the next level subscription. But even the top level subscription, I think, is twenty nine ninety seven a month, something like that. So wow, that gets you access to absolutely everything. So you heard it here. Get rid of your Netflix, get rid of yeah. your Sky, and start digesting some of this incredible stuff to actually get the user manual in your mind going. It's well, the Netflix of NLP. It is the Netflix of NLP. Let's get that uh, patented. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, David. It's been Blood. great to have you here. So for those of you that are interested in getting access to this free subscription, I would highly recommend it. We will put the link in the description, so don't feel like you have to listen back and type it out. It will be there for you to easily access. David, We're all out of time. I feel like I could talk to you for ages, but it's been amazing having you on the show. Brilliant. Thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. So thank you all again for listening and for watching no matter what platform you're watching on. As always, I would love to hear from each and every one of you to find out more about what you enjoyed about this show. There was so much that David shared with us and I most definitely can be listening back to it as many of you probably will as well. If you are watching on our YouTube channel, do me a favor and put a comment on the video to share with us what's the one biggest golden nugget that you got out of today's session? What's the one biggest thing that you're gonna take away and implement in your life? Because remember, it's always about taking action. And if you are listening on any of the podcast platforms that you normally listen to, Apple, Spotify, or any of the others, Make sure if you haven't already that you have subscribed so you don't miss out on the next week's episode. That's all we have time for today. And I cannot wait to see you next week where we'll be inspired by another amazing guest. Bye.